listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Kelowna. For more information about our church, please visit harvestkelowna.ca. Take your Bibles and turn to Exodus chapter 20 as we come to commandment number 9. Exodus chapter 20, our ushers are coming forward. They have connection cards for you to write some notes on. Um, They have pens handy as well as a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, I encourage you to just raise your hand and, and, and take one of those Bibles. If you want to take it home with you, feel free to take it home. We love being able to give away God's Word and, and, um, and it being a, perhaps maybe a starter Bible for you. And, and uh, then you'll look at getting a study Bible or different things as time goes on as, as you devour God's Word on your own. I encourage you to be people of the Word. We love the Word of God. And and I uh, just encourage you to follow along as we'll be looking at a number of passages. And the first one is in Exodus chapter 20, the ninth commandment. You know, as a society, as people, we love to celebrate first things, right? You know, as a, as a couple, you know, your first date or, or you know, the first dance at a, at, at a wedding celebration that uh, some of you may have or, uh, or have had or will have in, in your life or, you know, or, or even for babies. I mean, uh, just, just love just having a church where we have some little cute little babies in the church and, and, and uh, some, uh, a nephew of mine just recently had a little baby and and, uh, you know, the first smile, you know, and, and if you can capture it with a, a picture, that's even great. Like, I, I don't want to tell them that first smile is probably just gas. But, you know, what? anyways, they're, they're excited that, you know, hey, baby, you know, their first smile, and it's all exciting. And then, you know, their first word, you know, and it's exciting when their first word, a baby's first word is dad, you know, but usually it's no, you know, is the first word they use. And so, so you take note of these kind of things or, you know, their first steps. One of my, my, my younger brothers, his, his little 11th month old daughter just took her first steps this week. They live in Regina, but I saw it through social media, saw, saw it, it on Facebook, see, seen her take like literally, um, you know, a half a step. Technically, if you want to call it, it wasn't even a step, but woo! And the celebration and the cheering that was going on, you know, when, when she, she took her first half step, you know, and she, she'll keep working from there. You You know, um, could you imagine, though, interestingly enough, I was reading this past week uh, uh, about a study that a child psychologist has done, and and this psychologist suggests that that lying is considered normal, and that, in fact, a child's first few lies are seen as important steps in their development. And the only real problem comes when, you know, a child lies is if they become a pathological liar. They basically, the psychologist believes that it is good and it is a necessary part of survival for children to learn how to lie. You know, and so I don't know if you'll go to the card shop, you know, maybe after this message and, 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 and you'll look for, you know, you know, a congratulations card to give to someone, you know, that, that says congratulations on your baby's first lie, you know, or I can imagine the phone from, from mom phoning the husband, you know, he's out, out at work and, oh, our baby just told their first lie today. It's such an exciting, write it down in the scrapbook, post it on Facebook, you know, tweet it on Twitter, you know, is that really a big deal? I mean, now I'm being a, probably just a little facetious here. But basically, we are grow. I mean, as we grow, as we mature, as we learn to talk, as we learn to interact, lying becomes just part of our nature, it would seem. And the Bible even tells us that we are liars, that, that we are people who lie. And, and I mean, we are all bent towards deception. No one has to teach a child how to lie, do they? It just kind of comes upon them naturally, it would seem. 
Lying can become such a, a common thing in our lives that we don't even necessarily think about it or think twice about it or even sometimes even realize that we might be telling a lie. Perhaps we even justify the lies that we may tell. Or we figure, well, everyone does it. What's the big deal? Even pastors' lies you'll hear a little later on. You know, so if pastors lie, you know, like what's, what's really the big deal? Yet God's word has so much to say about us being people of truth, people who are pursuing truth, and people who are living the truth in all that we say and do. Not just part of it, but in all that we say and do. And so this brings us to the ninth commandment in verse 16 of Exodus 20. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Now this is a command or a prohibition against perjury in a trial. God is stressing the seriousness here in this passage, in the Ten Commandments, as he's rolling these down from Mount Sinai, as he's saying this to the Israelites before all of the people, he is stressing the seriousness of witnesses telling the truth in a courtroom setting. Because people's livelihoods are at stake if you lie. So you need to tell the truth. The, the wicked need to be punished. The innocent need to be set free. And so he's saying here that, that we are not to bear false witness. And we see through the entire scriptures, we see that we are not to be people who lie, people who deceive, but people of the truth. Here's an interesting kind of statistic that, um, or I'll get to that in a moment, some statistics online. You might be a little surprised at what you might hear in that. But I encourage you to write this down. I encourage you to write down these things we're going to be talking about today. There's going to be scripture verses that I'm going to be reading to you. And a lot of these scripture verses will actually be up on the screen and... Um, just as far as the references, so I encourage you to take a look at that. And I already see that, that first one you can write down, Leviticus 9, should be Leviticus 19. So just so, so you know that if you're looking at Leviticus 9, this doesn't tell us anything, that's not what you're saying. It Levit should be Leviticus 19. We are called to be people of truth. This is what God's word calls us to. This is the standard, not to be half liars, not to be marginal liars, but to be people who are people pursuing the truth and living the truth in all that we say, in all we do. That is the standard in God's word. That is his standard for us as his children. Paul said to the church in, in, in Colossians 3, 9 and 10, he says, do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Our creator is a creator of truth. God is a God of truth. We've been made, we've been reborn in his image, and so we are to reflect that, and so we aren't to lie to one another. Leviticus 19, 11 says, you shall not steal, you shall not deal falsely, you shall not lie to one another. That's a pretty point-blank statement there that God gives. We are not to lie. We are called to be people of truth. Second of all, um, question for you, is lying a big deal. Is it really a big deal? Yes, it is. Yet sadly, we have come to basically expect people to lie, and we become okay with it. Politicians, just watch Canadian and American politics over the last year and what's come, and we ain't seen nothing yet, I believe, in the, in the coming months of, of, of what is going on with, especially in the United States at this point. Politicians lie and get elected, and the crazy thing, they even get re-elected and re-elected again. It just kind of keeps on going, and you're like, really? Advertisers lie in order to sell their products? 
just to, to you know what, kind of get people to, to buy. They, they'll say things. And, and I, I like the TV commercials. Sometimes I'll even pause them. And, and, and because at the very bottom, you'll see this little disclaimer, you know, results may not work for everyone. Or, you know, they have some nice little legal statement just kind of absolving them that basically they're lying in saying that you will have this new life and, and it probably only works for uh, a, a small majority of people. Um, business. We lie in business in order to get a sale. A uh, number of years ago when I was uh, here in the city and, and working for a company and doing some sales, it was amazing. We would have these morning phone calls and we had one of our sales guys here in Kelowna along with me. I didn't really know him very well, but he was just knocking it out of the park. He was like being in our sales call every morning. He's the hero. He's the guy. And, and it's just like, how are you getting all these sales? What are you doing? Like he's getting five or six a day, which, which in that industry was really good sales kind of thing. And, 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 he, and he was complaining about all the paperwork now and we're just like, oh, I wish we could get sales. Like, how are you doing it? And so he's telling us how he's winning them over and, and showing them how our company could help them and, and how he gets them to sign on the dotted line. Mysteriously, a, a number of weeks later, he just kind of disappeared, and we found out he was no longer with the company. And then I had to be the guy who had to go to the many clients that he signed up and had to deal with them and deal with all that he had told them. And I'm looking and I'm hearing all of the things that they had been promised by this guy. And I'm like, are you serious? Like, I mean, that, that was crazy. I mean, the industry doesn't even do that yet. And he was promising that, but he was saying what people wanted to hear in order for them to, to, to you know what, sign on the dotted line so he'd get his commission check and he would be able to move on. And indeed, he did have to move on. But we lie in business in order to, 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 to make that sale, to get it further ahead, to to get that promotion. Athletes, kind of tired of this one now. Whenever you hear about a new drugging scandal in sports, whether it be track or in football or in baseball, whatever it might be, you're just like, oh, brother, here, not this again. You know, because it just seems that, that over and over again, the athletes are, are on trial, in a sense, in the court of public opinion, but even sometimes then it even goes to, to further than that. And, and they lie and they swear that, I never took performance-enhancing drugs, I never did such a thing. And then a little later on, found out, yes, they did, and, and they even knew, were aware of it, and sometimes they were totally ignorant of it, but they weren't being careful, and so you hear these things like, ah, oh, lie, 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 everywhere a lie. What can you believe these days? What can I build my life on? What is true? You start questioning everything, and we lie. We lie about, you know, various kind of things, like maybe our weight, you know, when you fill it out a form, like, oh, really, I'm not that heavy, you know, or, or young boys that wanting, are wanting to be heavier will exaggerate, you know, a higher weight. The rest of us, we exaggerate with a lower weight weight, you know, of what we were when we were 16, maybe, or, you know, our height, you know, um, I'm 5'10 and 3 quarters, you know, but, you know, I could say basically I'm almost 6 feet, you know, I mean, we do that sort of thing, we lie about our GPA, or, or we embellish past accomplishments, always making a little bit better than, than, than they really are, we lie on resumes, you know, a few more, uh, you know, qualifications than what we really, truly have, you know. We lie about that big fish that got away, you know, how big it really was. I mean, and, and I guess maybe under the water, they are quite a bit bigger, you know, the, the laws of science, what is it that makes things bigger? Anyone know that one? Refraction. Refraction. I was going to, now is that true or you just would just winging it? Are you lying to me? I don't know, man. You might be lying to me. Uh, anyways, one of those laws that makes things, maybe it's just, you know, yes, it was that big, but in reality, it's that big, but the water made it look that big. You know, I mean, these kind of things, we lie, we lie at times we don't even think about it. And, and even we think of, just even think of the lies and the deceptions that get passed around through emails. 
you know what, just stories that turn out to be hoaxes or things that aren't true and, and, and things on social media, you know, they, they look like it's an authentic news story, but you start reading like, okay, I don't know if this is really uh, exactly a, a true statement here or a true news story. And we have to be so careful. And, and then Photoshop has, has brought to us a whole bunch of things. This is one of my favorite ones. This is from a number of years ago when Photoshop was really kind of just starting to make it, you know, this, you know, U.S. Marines dude who's, you know, going to get swallowed by this this big fish, you know, and, um, you know, or, or here's some more that, that you can easily find out there. You know, the, the top left one is, is the World Trade Center right before, you know, one of the airplanes hit it. Uh, yeah, that was a doctored picture, wasn't true. Or, or look at that extra large animal, that big dog, you know, and, and people are like, look at this thing, you know. And, and then, of course, the tsunami in 2004 that, um, did its damage in, in Indonesia. However, this was actually in another country that, that the street was actually taken from. It was all photoshopped. And so, so, so you see these false kind of pictures. You see, you know what, false news stories. You know, you see all of this. And, and even at times, then, even pastors will lie. I mean, this can happen oftentimes. And, and one of the things they commonly will lie about are the sizes of the congregation that they're ministering to. You know, when, when let's say, um, the average attendance is around 100 people. Like if you were to, to, to do the math and do the averaging and all of that, it's 100 people. But, you know, a pastor will often say, well, you know what, we're, we're about 150. You know, we're, you know, they're not lying. They're speaking evangelistically. That's what, that, that, that's what pastors tell themselves, you know, like, oh yeah, you know, like, or, or maybe they're speaking by faith of where they'll be, you know, and, and, and we do this because we want to look better, we want to look more successful, we want, you know, these kind of things that end up going on, or, you know, pastors lie all the time when they say, hey, you know what, this is going to be a short sermon, it's just going to be a few moments, you know, and, or when they say in conclusion, it basically means they're just getting started, you know, and so, so you have these kind of things, and, and I read this week that 91% of people in society admit that they lie regularly, and probably the rest were lying themselves, you know, and, and, and so you think, okay, so is it really that big deal? Sometimes we lie and we don't even realize it. Heard about a school teacher even confessed this morning to me, it was kind of funny, not a confession, it was just, you know, how, you know, if you do that, you're going to go to the principal's office, and she said, yeah, I've never sent anyone to the principal's office, and they've continued to do what I told them not to do, or parents, you do the same thing, you know, as far as, you know, if you do that, if if you, I'm, I'm going to stop the car. You're in too much of a drag race with the cars ahead of you. There's no way you're going to stop the car in order to discipline that kid. You know, you'll try to reach back and get their knee or whatever, you know, or, you know, if you don't stop that, we're not going to Dairy Queen, but you, your, your wife really wants to go to Dairy Queen, so you're going to Dairy Queen, you know, or else we're not going to, we're not going to Disney. You know what? If you keep acting like that, we're not going to go to Disney like we promised you, and you still go to Disney because you bought the tickets, you know? And so, so, so parents at times will do this, and, and we lie at times and, and as threats, and, and we really don't mean it, you know? And, and so some of these things happen. Um, this, this study also concluded that men lie more than women. Younger men lie more than older men. Um, this is one's interesting, that the better that we know someone, the more likely we are to lie to them. Interesting. People who attend church regularly admit to lying just a percentage less than people who don't attend church. Interesting. Um, Catholics lie more than Protestants. And uh, just, again, this is part of the study. And, and Protestants and Catholics lie more than Jewish people. Just a little more standard of the law there, I guess, with them. 
And what we are basically seeing in our society today, I encourage you to write down this reference, is Isaiah 59, 3 and 4. Isaiah 59, 3 and 4. And it's talking about what we're finding on our streets today. For your hands are stained with blood. It says, your fingers with guilt. Your lips have spoken falsely and your tongue mutters wicked things. No one calls for justice. No one pleads a case with integrity. They, lo- they rely on empty arguments. They utter lies. And you just see this, that, that there's not even a place for justice in it because the people who would want justice who are being hurt by the lies are are lying themselves and so it's just like where do you even start trying to to change things and and to live differently but then you think well is lying really all that bad i mean everyone's doing it i mean is it always a sin think about it is it always a sin to lie or are there good lies that we could tell what about people that lied in the bible There were some. We'll look at that in a few moments. But is there ever a good time to tell a lie? Next, let's move on to reasons and ways we may be tempted to lie. Here, here's a number of things. There's, this, again, is, this is a junk drawer. This is a whole bunch of different things of reasons and ways that we lie. Oftentimes, we'll lie out of anger, out of hatred or malice towards someone. Someone has hurt us. And so we are going to spread false stories or we're going to lie to their face. After all, what they did to me, I don't need to speak the truth to this person. You know, we lie to get revenge on someone. We'll lie out of fear. Fear is a reason, a motivator for a lie. We're we're fearful we might get caught. We're guilty and and we we don't want to be found out and so we'll lie. Or or we might get in trouble and 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 we because we did something we shouldn't do, shouldn't have done, and so we lie to, to keep from getting into trouble or we don't want to, you know, a fear of looking bad in front of someone, you know, um, and so we lie. We lie to protect our reputation. We want others to think well of us and, and, and to have a good image of us, and so we'll build ourselves up even more. We'll exaggerate the numbers. We'll exaggerate the story. We'll exaggerate because we want to be liked, and we want people to think well and, and think that we're awesome, and so we'll do whatever it takes for that to happen. All of these basically so far have to deal with pride, and the way of humility is the opposite of this. We'll tear others down to, to discredit them in order, in a sick way, we think if we tear down others, it somehow elevates us and makes us look good, but we end up just being down there in the muck with those that we're talking about. God doesn't honor that. But you might say, but, but what I'm saying about that person is true. The facts speak for themselves. But the problem is we don't need to share the facts. We don't need to share things with everyone. Because when we do, it becomes gossip or slander. And that is a form of lying. Slander is a very religious type of sin. It happens in the church all the time. You have people in churches who would never commit adultery, who would never even think you know, maybe thought murder at times, but would never carry out that sort of thing, or, or never steal, or, you know, or, or never get drunk. But when it comes to telling a juicy story, often in the form of a prayer request, then it's okay. You know, what's the big deal? You know, we're going to pray for this person, and yet we're slandering, we're, we're spreading stories. Yeah, they may be true, but is it necessary to, to, to share these things? Because again, what are we doing? Are we looking to expose these people, make ourselves look good? Great damage can be done. Many churches, families have been destroyed because of gossip and slander. Another reason 
that we lie is materialism. We want more money. We're greedy. We're not satisfied with what we have. We don't believe God can provide. And so we'll, 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 we'll fudge the numbers. We'll stretch the truth. We'll fill the application out just a little off. It's not that big of a deal. But we're stealing. We're lying. Dealt with the stealing a little bit last week. We lie through flattery. And flattery is simply this. You say in front of someone what you won't say behind their back. Think about it. You sometimes do that. You know, it's, um, you know, maybe someone, hey, um, my breath really bad? Oh, no. It's not that bad. And then you turn around like, oh, man, his breath was so bad. It's like garbage rotting in it. You know, and, and, you know but, but, but we say things, you know what, to, to a person and, um, you know, because we, we don't want to necessarily tell them the truth. And, and that's just kind of a, a slight example of that. And yet Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 2, he says, we are to please God. It's about pleasing God, not about pleasing man. And he says, therefore, he says, we didn't use flattery. And he tells us, don't use flattery just to try to kiss up to people, to, to get them to like us or to get what you want. No, we speak the truth. We're people of the truth. We can lie at times by exaggeration, embellishing the story to make ourselves look better. My kids do this all the time. You know, and, and, uh, and in that, I was just even slightly exaggerating, right? When I was saying, they do it all the time. They don't do it all the time, but all they... I'll make that statement because it just, you know, like, oh, poor me. You know, my kids exaggerate all the time. One of the things that when they tell a story um, that has some exaggeration to it, I'll, I'll, you know what, say to them, listen, I've told you a million times not to exaggerate, you know, and, um, you know, and, and some of you will get that much later, you know, but I, um, or else you've heard it before and, and maybe you've used it, you know, and, and so we, we can, you know, through exaggeration, we can, can do that, you know, and, or just how stories seem to get, isn't it true how stories seem to get a little bit better? with age, you know, just the embellishment and, and just what, ex, you know, the, the facts just get a little fuzzy, so we, we, ta- we take a, a, a positive approach to, to the facts, at least that's what we tell ourselves, or, or we can lie passively. Lying doesn't always have to be something actively that we're doing. It doesn't have to be active. Sometimes in a conversation that is going on, and, and they're talking about a situation or talking about a person, and we actually know the truth, we know the facts, but we stay silent and we don't bring that into the conversation because we kind of enjoy what's going on or we don't want to be the, you know, the downer of the conversation and kind of like burst the bubble of this story that this person's telling. And so, so we, we just lie passively by not saying anything at all. Yet the person that's being talked about is being slandered, they're being gossiped about or made to look in a way that, that isn't true and and we sit there in silence. That's how we can bear a false witness. That goes against the, the ninth command. We lie by twisting, telling a story, but, but just not maybe sharing all the facts. You know, we're just going to remember certain facts. We're going to put this certain spin on it. So, so it kind of goes the way that, again, in our direction. And, and I, mean, I mean, this was one of the things, it, again, back in my sales job that, that we were told to do, you know, was, was put a spin on it. You don't want to show certain things, but you want to highlight other things. And so, so you put this spin, you put this certain twist on it. And, and I continued to say on these morning calls, I said, listen, I need, to be, I need to be able to put my head down on my pillow at the end of the day and know that I have spoke, the, that, that I am speaking the truth to, to the clients I'll speak to tomorrow as well as the ones that I've been talking with today. It's about being people of truth. I didn't get a lot of sales. Maybe that's why I didn't last too long there. But, um, 
but you know, it just seems that, that these kind of things, just the twisting, the um, exaggeration, whatever it might be, are just so commonplace. Quickly, if you want to write down these, these three items, theologians have basically have been discussing this kind of subject for centuries, and in reality, they've distinguished three types of lies, um, three different types of lies. And so, and again, it should say there are three types of lies, not liars, but I guess these can be liars that if you're doing this. There's the harmful lies, there's the humorous lies, and then there's the helpful lies. You know, and, um, and so the har harmful ones, we've talked a lot about that, where, where we take and spread unsubstantiated stories or, or things that we ought not to share that hurts the reputation of another, that, that makes someone guilty when they could actually be, you know what, um, exonerated um, in, in, in the conversation or get someone into trouble. Or we also do this um, by not following through on our word, on promises that we've made. Those are some of the harmful lies. Others are affected by it. Even we can be affected by these when it all catches up to you because eventually they all catch up. It just does. But then there's the humorous lies. And, and this is when you're telling a joke, all right? So, so I mean, you know what? You're, you're telling a joke and, and it's a, you know what, true event or maybe it's not quite a true event or, or you know, like even parents who are, are planning a surprise trip for their kids to Disney or, or you know what, um, to some great location like to Regina. And, and you tell the kids, you know what, oh no, we're just going over to grandma's house in Penticton and you have their bags packed and then the day comes. And, and I've seen this and, you know, I think we've probably even have done this sort of thing. And then, surprise, we're doing this. And they're like, oh, I didn't see it coming. Well, you were lying. You were being deceptive. Now, is that bad or is that kind of a humorous kind of, you know, just like, hey, that's, you can't be, you know, it just, there's a part, you know, I believe God has a sense of humor. I really do because just in some of the people he's created. I mean, some of you, like seriously, I just know that he has a sense of humor, you know, like, I mean, look at this. I mean, I mean, it's, it's just like God, God had, it, you know, it just puts it, sometimes I think, um, yeah, he enjoys it when we're able to laugh um, being able to laugh together and, and that sort of thing is great. And um... Okay, thank you. And so, it is. It's a humorous lie. And again, theologians have debated this for years as far as what is right and what is wrong in this and, and where is it all at. Um, we have to be careful because in... In regards to this, in Proverbs 26, 18, reminds us that harm can be done when we speak and when we say, I was only joking. Because sometimes what this ends up doing is leading to a slippery slope, you know, and, and, and then it becomes more and more deception, and it ends up becoming a part of our lives, and, and we become comfortable with one part of deception and it can lead us into others. And so it can be very dangerous. And so, yes, humor, humor lies can lead you into trouble. There, then there's helpful lies. And, um, and so a question for you, is it ever okay to tell a helpful lie? Are there any circumstances where lying is okay? You look at it in, in the Word of God. And you see how God um, used and protected His very own through the lies of another. In Exodus chapter 1, we see the Hebrew midwives who, who lied um, in regards to, to the raising uh, or, or when um, children were born and they were supposed to kill them and throw them into the Nile River. They made excuses as to why they were not able to do this. Are there any other times when we do this? You know, I, I feel sorry for a husband who gets into a certain dilemma with his wife 
when she comes to him and might say, uh, honey, does, does this outfit make me look fat? I mean, what's he to say? You know, um, he doesn't want to break the ninth commandment, and, and yet he wants to live with his wife in an understanding way. Um, what are you to do with that? How are you to respond? Well, maybe this could be his response. Well, honey, one thing you do have is you have perfect eyesight. You know, like maybe that's how he could get, you know, away with something like that. I don't know. Dig yourself out on that one when, when that kind of question comes. A um, number of years ago, when I was pastoring in Alberta, I was preaching on Luke chapter 15, the, the, the parable of the lost items, the lost coin, the lost lamb, and the lost son. And part of it was staged, if you want to say it, as part of the, the sermon, as I was just nicely starting the sermon, we were going to start reading from Luke chapter 15. One of the ushers comes running in, whispers in my ear, and he tells me um, that Clarice was missing from the nursery, and they figure that maybe she could be outside. And so with that, I, I, I went running out and I told the people that and one of the others came and just started to, um, some, one of the staff members came and just started reading that passage and when he was done reading the passage, I came in and said, the lost has been found. You know, and people were like, oh, that was mean, that was cruel, why would you ever do that? Later on, I, I even asked them, even years later, when they, they said, you remember when you did that in a sermon? I said, what was that sermon about? And they said, lost people matter to God. And so we can do some of these things and you think, okay, where does this all pan out? Again, we're going to see in Scripture in a number of areas where, where lies have been told. What, what about um, deception has been used in the last year or so um, through pro-life groups wanting to expose the absolute terrible atrocities performed by the Planned Parenthood organization. Maybe you've seen some of this in the news. You've seen it on social media where they've gone in with microphones and cameras and, and, and they've pretended to be people who are wanting to buy the aborted body parts that are for sale through Planned Parenthood for medical research. And so in order to save lives and to expose what is going on, these people have gone in with deception pretending to be people who they're not in order to save lives. What about the story of Corey Tenboom in World War II? A very familiar one where she and her family, her, her, her parents and, and her sister, hid Jews from the Nazis. The Nazis would come searching and asking if they were hiding Jews, and, and they were being deceptive. They were hiding them. And many lives were saved. Her actions caused her to end up in jail, but many lives were saved. So is that okay? And as I said, people in the Bible, the, the Hebrew midwives in Exodus chapter 1, or Rahab the prostitute who, who hid the spies in her house and lied about them being there. She's honored in the Faith Hall of Fame in Hebrews chapter 11. However, just to be clear, what she's being honored for is not for being a woman of lies, but to be a woman of faith for what she did. And yet you can't get around it that she lied. She used deception in order to further the cause. And so we see here in these situations that I've just talked about, and people have argued for years about this kind of a dilemma, what is to be done and what isn't to be done, that most of these that I've talked about have come at a time of war. It's come when and for situations where lives, human lives are at stake or are being threatened. And these, lines, these lies were a means by which they were able to honor some of the other commandments. To honor God, to protect life. Now, one area where we are never to lie, in Matthew 10 is very clear, is when it comes to denying Christ. Today, when we see what's going on with ISIS, and, and at times people are, are told to recant or to die, Jesus said in Matthew 10, he says, if you deny me before others, I will deny 
you before my Father. So there's some areas where it's very clear. What about these other areas? And let's face it, folks, 99, probably 0.9% of the lies that we may, be, may tell or be tempted to tell are more for protecting our reputation, for getting further ahead, the furthering our bottom line, or getting even with that person who has hurt us. And that's why we see that lying is a very serious matter to God. God hates it. Proverbs chapter 6, I encourage you to turn, turn there in your Bibles, Proverbs 6, because in here I want you to see what God has to say and what he thinks about this. Proverbs 6, starting at verse 16, it says, There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, Feet that mark haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who has sows discord among brothers. Notice that line is specifically mentioned in these two, two, two out of the seven things that God hates, and even some of these other ones have, have, have kind of, you know what, roots into areas of falsehood and telling lies. Verse 17, God hates a lying tongue. He hates it when, in verse 19, when people lie under oath, when they lie in court, when they're lying about um, a certain situation. Proverbs 12, 22 says, Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are his delight. God says, I hate lying. But you know what? What's the opposite of that? He delights in the truth. Our God delights it when we are truthful people. God is a God of truth. He prizes truth. It's part of his character. And lies and dishonesty, dishonesty giving false witness, are, are total opposite to who God would be. Two opposite ends of the scale. And so he hates it. And he says, and we see in God's word, we will not go unpunished. We will be judged on every word that we speak. And at times when we haven't spoken words that we should speak, we will also give an account for that. You see, lying ends up destroying and eats, eats up relationships in families and marriages and churches and society. But first and foremost, it affects us. It affects our lives, our relationship with God. In John chapter 8, we read that Satan is the father of lies. Remember the story of Achan in Joshua chapter 7. You might want to read that. You can just write down Joshua 7 and you can read that. Israel goes into battle. Achan is, is, is one of the Israelites. He takes something that he shouldn't, hides it, and, and, and buries it, and, and the sin gets exposed, and, and the nation suffers because of it. And when he was found out and he admitted to what he had done, he was taken and he and his family were killed. This was a foundational time in Israel's history, and God knew that deceit would spread like, like an uncontrollable disease. And so very early on, as they were getting ready, as they were pursuing the promised land, as they were coming into their inheritance, God reminded them about holiness and purity in speech and in actions. Again, in Acts chapter 5, the story of Ananias and Sapphira, the, new, the early church, this young church is getting going and God's doing great things. And Ananias and Sapphira just exaggerated on the amount of money that they gave to the church that they had put in the offering, and they both ended up dying because of their lie, because of this exaggeration. Again, this was a movement of God among his people. It was a new era, one could say. 
And it was vital for God's people to understand individually and corporately in the life of the church that if there is to be God's power, if there is to be God's blessing, to be his presence, there has to be a pursuit of purity and holiness and a reverence for God and the truth of his word. And so lying and deceit and slander and stealing, it doesn't fit. And so we see here what's really at stake. We see that there is so much more to this than just telling a falsehood, telling a lie. Our lives, the power of God in our lives is shut off when we are people who are living in deceit, who are living in lies, who tell lies. Oh, that we would be people of truth because truthful people experience the power and the presence of God and we would pursue it in all areas of our lives. And finally, I encourage you to write this down. What we do with this truth truth reveals our heart. What we do with this truth, even here as we've talked about it today, this commandment, thou shalt not bear false witness. To be people who are pursuing the truth, if you're just like, eh, not a big deal. I'm kind of good where I'm at. Over the last few weeks, as we've been dealing with some pretty tough subjects from, from the word of God, I think especially going back to thou shalt not murder. Say, I haven't murdered anyone, but... He's preached and reminded us that, that when we are angry towards another, when we're unforgiving towards another, it's a way that we commit murder already in our minds and our heart, when we're not willing to forgive. Or last a few weeks ago talking about sexual sin and how destructive that that is in our lives. Or stealing, taking what we shouldn't, as we talked about last week and now today, about not bearing false witness, about a lying tongue, an exaggerating tongue. And if you are a believer in Christ and you're living in the shadows in, in, in some of these areas, living in deception in your life, you need to deal with it. You need to bring it out into the light. Repent before God. Go and make things right with others. I want to encourage you to turn in your Bibles. You need to see this. This is to, to Revelation 21. This is a very serious um, reminder here and, and, uh, and, and a bit of a wake-up call, I believe, for, for God's children Revelation 21, it, it tells us, it, we see this glorious view of, of, of heaven and the new Jerusalem and, and, and all that God is making new. And, and then you come to, to verse 8 and it says, and, and it talks about who, uh, about the glory of heaven, but then on the outside of the new Jerusalem, on the outside of heaven, it says, but the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderer, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, all liars, their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is serious. It talks about all liars. And see, one of the biggest lies we can even tell ourselves even here today is that what we're talking about is not that big of a deal. It is a big deal. And over the last few weeks as we've been talking about these different things, I've heard a number of stories and reports of, of God at work in the lives of of some of our folks here, and I trust that he's, he's at work in, you know, I just haven't heard some of these other stories of God, what God may be doing in your life in this. Someone last week went back to Costco and paid for an item that was kind of passed through that didn't get tabulated on the bill. Somehow everyone missed it as it went through, and they went and they made that right. person was like, well, thank you. And this person went on to say, well, my pastor is preaching on, on the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not steal, and, and I stole this. I... Didn't mean to, but this is what happened. Wanted to make it right. 
And then she told her where our church was located and what time it started and that sort of thing. But you never know what kind of message that ends up sending to someone. Others have halted or ended relationships that they knew were not honoring to God. One man just recently has changed his job because of the temptation. He's taken a significant pay cut in, in changing jobs, but he was just dealing with too much, too much temptation for him to handle. And with prayer and with just agreement with, together with, with his family and, and, and with brothers in Christ standing with him, he, he took that step and, and quit his job. And, and God has provided another job, but yet it's hard because the money won't be the same. He wants to honor God. And I trust that you and I will all want to honor God in all areas of our lives. Because it says here, all liars, that if we are comfortable with lying, we have to be concerned, do we even truly know Christ? Do we really understand the gospel? If we've become comfortable and complacent with sin, we have to take that deep look in our lives. Do we truly know him? Are we truly saved? Because someone who has the Spirit of God within them, there's going to be that, that conviction of the Holy Spirit in our lives, and, and, and we're going to want to obey it and follow the Spirit's leading in our lives and, and respond in repentance and obedience and do whatever it takes. You say, but you don't know what's at stake. Hell is at stake. It's a serious matter. And you might be good. You might be good. Your eternity might be, but the way that you're living your life, you're living in the lies, living in the shadows, it may not go so well for your children or your grandchildren. Do they see the power of God changing, transforming your life? Little by little. Few steps backwards at times. But progressing forward and seeing a love and a passion for God. And I just wonder if over the last number of weeks, God is exposing things in your life and, and you need to bring it out of the shadows of your heart and say, you know, or maybe even the last few weeks, saying, okay, I'm going to try to get victory, and you've been praying, and you've been seeking God about this, and, and gaining victory uh, very slowly or not at all, and you're right back in it. This is why there are certain things that we struggle with, and God makes that very clear, that we need the brothers and sisters of Christ to walk with us. I learned this less than the painful way. I walked through a lot of unnecessary hardship and trouble probably about 17, 18 years ago, when I was struggling in areas in my mind and, and it was affecting everything, I was still trying to function normally and, and yet it was so major and I was trying to pray, I was pleading to God. I remember being on the floor in my office saying, God, help me, help me, help me and, and deliver me and, and help me to be thinking in a different way and, 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 and crying out to God for help, for deliverance and it never came until I got honest. I'd already been honest with God but I needed to bring it out of the shadows of my life and bring it before people who I knew would love me and stand with me. Charlotte was one, my parents, the church, uh, elders of the church where I was serving. And I thought, I thought if they knew they had such a screwed up, messed up pastor that, that, that they'd fire me, that they'd like, get out of here, we don't want you. And I remember we had this big ZZ top elder. He had this huge beard before beards were even cool. You know, and, and he had this big, he was a big trucker dude. And, and, and I remember he, I, I just broke when I saw him and, and you know, I didn't know what he was going to say and, and, and do, and he just goes and he gives me this big bear hug, and he says, I said, you've got a really messed up pastor. He says, that's just the way we want you, for God to keep working in your life. And needing others to, to walk with me and to help me, and, and even this morning, knowing we we're going to have a tough talk, I'm, I, I was texting a few brothers in Christ saying, pray for me. Pray that God would do a work in me first and foremost and work in my brothers and sisters. May he revive his church. Bringing the sin out of the shadows and into the light. 
in repentance. Those friends have walked with me, and they walked with me, and, and I have some who continue to walk with me to encourage, pray for, and at times even rebuke. Now today, if you're here and you've never truly trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've never named Christ as the Savior of your life, your first priority is not dealing with the lies. It's not. Those are just a reminder of how much we need to be forgiven. Your first priority, your ultimate most important thing is, is understanding that without accepting the work that Christ did on the cross, that we, we, we hold up high at harvest, we sing about it, we, we sing about the gospel of what, what he has done, the cross where he died for the sins of the world, and where his, our sin is applied um, to the blood of Christ, and we are forgiven. We understand that without his forgiveness, without the blood of Christ, we are under the wrath of God. And as we receive this gift of grace, as we ask him to forgive us, we, we repent and we ask God to forgive us and to cleanse us and, and to bring from the shadows out into the light and say, okay, God, help me repent. I, and, and we confess our sins and we get the help that's needed in order to walk in victory. That's the most important thing. And you can receive Christ today. would love to talk with you and pray with you afterwards or, or this week. Send an email to our website and we'd love to be able to talk with you. For the believer today, I wonder today, as we've been talking over the last number of weeks, what needs to be brought out of the shadows, out of the dark places of our lives, and confessed before God first and foremost, but then before others. Going to brothers and sisters and say, I can't do this, I've been trying and I can't, and I need you to pray with me, I need you to stand with me. Harvest, we, we want to be dedicated to you, as the email even reminded you this past week, um, trust that you're getting them and reading them. But that part in there that, you know, if you have questions, if you have um, areas in, in your life where you're desiring counsel, where you are desiring biblical counseling and, and, and help Harvest Oakville, our sending church is committed to us and, and God is raising up um, just some great gifts within the people in our church to, to walk with one another and to, to show you the gospel, to show you what the word of God has to say. What needs to be brought out of the shadows? Confess it towards God. We're just going to sing a song that's a prayer. I encourage you to stay seated during this time. But with a heart of prayer and, and seeking God, may this song speak to us and, and do whatever business that needs to be done to be people of truth, people who love the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Life. When we are people of truth, life is ours.